It is I, Captain Murphy, of whom Jacobin Magazine once said, Jesus fucking Christ, and socked him Twitter's RIPM called a coward. Rest in power, brother. Though I, I do think he's back under a different name. Damn. But who is Captain Murphy? I'm the necromancer of neighbor Scientology. That's right. I will bring systemic ecological critique back to life. So help me fucking Eris. A professor of class struggle. Nintendo fan. Very sad boy. And all around weirdo. Welcoming you to Leftendo. The voice of the gaming proletariat. And I'm reminding you all that if you don't like long intros, you can go fuck yourself. That music's awesome. Every week on Left Tendo, we perform a holy ritual in nihilist navel-gazing so as not to succumb to the Sendam in this eco-geddon time loop. As ever, I'm coming to you from somewhere below the briny deep, where phosphorescent wonders never cease and men fear to tread. Tonight, I am joined once again by fellow communalist shamanistic wizard, Cheetah Squad. Hey, Cheetah! Hey, hey! What's up? Nothing much. Just getting drunk. Tonight, I'm drinking a Wicked Grove apple cider. The nectar of the true lost pagan gods. Speaking of pagan gods, I'm drinking uh, an amber ale from Odin Brewing Co. called uh, Odin's Gift. And fucking awesome! Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. The album art, like the album art, the uh, the hand <laughs> art is pretty fucking dope. However, as much as I like Nordic imagery, I am concerned that I am drinking the same beer that some white supremacists are drinking right now. Uh, <laughs> because of the Odin imagery, but nonetheless, it's fucking dope, and fuck the Nazis. Vikings wouldn't have been down with them, so fuck them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw um, a cider recently that had Bayomet on it, and I was tempted to buy it, but it was like $18 for a six-pack, so they go fuck themselves. Yeah, at least it's still fairly cheap, so I'm st- it's still a beer of the proletariat. Yeah, there you go. I mean, this, like, this Wicked Grove shit, this is from Aldi. This is an off-brand. It's delicious, but it's, you know, it's the proletariat cider. <laughs> anyway, this week, episode seven, Bowsette's sweet ass. In this episode, mm-hmm. Alawa's awakening, Florida Man Must Die, and the Joy-Con Blues. Alex Jones shat his pants and screamed, Communist Revolution is coming October 6th! <laughs> anyway, let's dive into... The news, the news from hell. Last month, the Trump administration commissioned environmental impact statement claimed that our current rate of burning sweet, sweet, dead dinosaur juice, Earth will warm by 7 degrees by 2100. According to scientists, that would mean many coral reefs would dissolve in our ever-increasing acidic oceans. The Big Apple would be underwater, and Miami would finally get the fate it deserves for being a shit paradise. Yep, fuck Miami. Yep. Of course, this would also mean devastating heat waves, pummeling the Earth, and entire regions of the Middle East being as hot as the surface of the planet Mercury. But them's the breaks. Only by embracing the heat can Florida man's eternal reign of cruel horror finally be stopped. Everything's fine, sea monkeys. It's fine. (laughs) I love how the Trump administration is either... Global warming doesn't exist, or global warming is like t- twice as extreme as all the other scientists are saying. But there's no in between. There's no nuance there for the Trump administration. It's only uh, we're all gonna, you know, erupt in a ball of fire in the next fifty years, or we're uh, all gonna be fine for eternity under capitalism. And there's no way to stop it. You know, there's no way to lessen it. There's no. There's nothing we could possibly do. It's just inevitable, or it doesn't exist. Exactly. And because it's inevitable, we may as well burn as much as we want. 
Why not? Why not? It's the only way to kill Florida man. Yeah, it's the only reason they actually came out with this report was to justify loosening fuel uh, regulations. Yeah, they're embracing the you know coming heat death of the planet, but just so that they can bring it faster. Extinction has never been so sweet. Moving on. Judge McRapey McRaperson went through a grueling week as people attempted something brand new, holding people in power accountable for their actions. It doesn't work. Why even bother? Very true. Very true. And yet, though uh, Christine Ford's testimony was very brave, above the whole Supreme Court fiasco, I comprehend that there are foundational problems with the system in which nine people have supreme say over the laws of a land of 350 million and cannot be questioned. Even beyond that, if he were turned down for godhood, the Republicans would just nominate a Catholic Hispanic woman grown in a Federalist society vat, and Democrats would vote for her and hail it as a glorious victory for women, even though she would have the same politics as rape. Our system of government is systemically fucked. So what is the real solution, my friends? Organize! Organize! That's right! Damn straight. (laughs) Say it loud and say it proud. Moving along, former Telltale Games employees have filed a class action lawsuit claiming the company broke California and federal labor laws by not warning them before the mass layoff as required by the WARN Act. Conveniently named. Mm -hmm. The Federal Worker Adjustment and Retaining Notification Act, which became law in 1988, stipulates that most businesses with at least 100 full-time workers must notify employees 60 days in advance of any plant closing or mass layoffs. Given that Telltale Games has been known to work their employees into the ground often till 3 a.m., it is little surprise that they would go out with one last big anti-labor bang. Solidarity with the former workers of Till Fail Games. Sue them into the motherfucking ground. Solidarity. Fuck management. Fuck management. Moving along and getting into some interesting little historic tidbits from nintendo's past this week it was revealed by jeremy sands the founder of argonaut the developers of the super fx chip and Star Fox, that his company had been working on a technologically sophisticated true vr alternative to the virtual boy for nintendo called the supervisor which is kind of a weird name and a working prototype did exist it apparently had a full color display and head tracking Those technologies being primitive in 1995, one imagines the apparatus was bulky and honestly too expensive to release, but this aquatic dictator can't help but wonder what the world would be like had Nintendo brought a legit VR headset to the mass market all the way back in the mid-90s. That would have been dope. (laughs) The Virtual Boy, all I know about it was those angry video game nerd videos of him playing with that shit, but uh, that looks dope. I would have been psyched because there would have been a ton of investment in that shit all through the, the thousands, so... We might mm-hmm. be in the VR paradise we all are imagining coming. We might be all able to escape into our own holodeck by now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be uh, it would be Ready Player One, but but real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. German indie dev Morphcat Games is bringing an all-new, intriguing occult-themed platformer called Micro Mages to the nest via Kickstarter and have released a fascinating video on YouTube explaining how they cram this amazing-looking game into just 40 kilobytes. Damn. I only just discovered this before the show started, and I am impressed enough with the spooky four-player simultaneous co-op game that I'm going to leave a link to that video and their ongoing Kickstarter in the description for this episode. Understanding the tricks developers had to use to cram some of our favorite NES classics into those tiny chips should be interesting to Nintendo fans young and old. 
Thanks, man. That's crazy. I can't I can't think of a single file I have on my computer that's like less than forty kilobytes. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing what they did. You know, it's amazing what the Atari people did too. But that's another story. It's small, uh, smaller than like a Word document or something. You know. <laughs> yes, it is. Still, with only four days to go, their campaign has reached about ten times the original goal of seventeen thousand dollars. So I'm thinking what we're all thinking: bring this sweet shit to the Nintendo Switch. Come on. That'd be and, fucking dope. Yes. It seems like the logical, uh, the logical thing to do if they're, you know, releasing it on NES. Like. I think the idea is it's supposed to be, you know, a, a kind of a NES game and for a very niche market. But it looks like a really cool game, and I would love to play it on the NES. It would be great for online multiplayer, actually. That's crazy that that's, uh, they're even anyone is still developing anything for the NES. Like, good for them. That's cool. It's amazing, like all the classic consoles, going back to the Atari, right? People still develop for basically all of them. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, you don't get a lot of games, but you get a couple a year or a couple every couple of years for every single one, you know? One in particular yeah. that's very popular to this day is the Dreamcast. Oh, that's cool. Moving on. And finally, with the revelation in the summer 2018 Nintendo Direct that the Super Crown can transform Toadette into Peachette, the internet has gone wild creating their own Princess Peach mashups, but none so popular as Bowsette. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. And interestingly, it was uncovered that a proto version of Bowsette exists in canon, sort of. The Super Mario Odyssey art book actually shows an unused green cap speculated to be Bowser's own twisted version of Cappy and earlier concepts for the game. In those drawings, it is shown transforming Bowsette into a gorgeous feminine version of the Koopa King. Regardless, I implore my comrades to allow everyone to have fun. This is a fan-based construct, and that means no label is correct in any real sense, okay? Is Bowsette trans? Absolutely, if that's what you want her to be. Is Bowsette simply a girl version of Bowser? Absolutely, if that's what you want her to be. Is Bowsette a big-ass demon girl? Absolutely, because that's what I want her to be. <laughs> Bowsette does not exist. Furthering a tired form of identitarian nationalism in which you have constructed a headcanon for a fictional character that you use as an excuse to start nasty fights is not only silly, it's counter-revolutionary. If this is your idea of productive revolutionary work, then you're just another joyless, whiny liberal, and I'm fucking tired of you. Shut the fuck up and let people on all sides of this have a little fucking fun in this hellish nightmare we call reality. Well said. <laughs> but all that out of the way now it's time for what i've been playing this week to start off i would like to ask you cheetah squad have you been playing anything i know you don't have a console right now but have you played anything on your phone you'd like to talk about uh yeah well speaking of consoles my girlfriend might go have these on a switch with me for an early christmas present and that'd be dope fucking uh, awesome so i'm stoked on that but uh I've been actually, I busted out my old uh, Nintendo DS and all my Nintendo handhelds, like from the uh, SP on, have I've owned like three SPs and like two DSs, and all of them, the L and R buttons have broken. Damn. So my, I have like, you know, like 20 plus, like 25, 30 GBA games, and I have like a little modded DS thing that I can put any games I want on there. I can play very few games unfortunately with them but i have been playing um playing pokemon of course you don't need lnr for that cool. uh, but i've also been playing wario land 4 fantastic game i fucking love wario land i want a new wario land on the switch that'd be dope 
That would be fucking awesome. I love Warrior Land. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Been playing it since the third one, but I've gone back and I've played one and two on emulators. So I've been playing that uh, on hard mode. I've been doing a hard mode run, and it is definitely way harder than the normal one. But I want to beat it so I can get to super hard mode because, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm masochist like that. <laughs> I have also been playing a bit of Advance Wars 2, classic game. Another one that I love, one of the best ones in the GBA library, if you ask me. They really need to bring that back to some way. Yeah, the DS versions all sucked. I hated all of them. There was like two or three. They weren't good, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I love Advance Wars. It's a great series regardless. I got to somehow boost it back. You know, this brings up an interesting concept before we get into what I've been playing. I've had basically every single home console Nintendo's ever made at one time or another. I have most of them now, but not all of them. Uh, I don't have an N64. But um, I had... Uh, for handhelds, I had the Game Boy when it came out when I was a little kid. I had the Game Boy Color eventually. I had the Game Boy Advance eventually. And I still have a Game Boy Advance SP somewhere. But when it came to the DS, I only had the first DS, right? And then yeah. after that, I don't know, we just got infinitely poor or something. Because I was still <laughs> fairly young. I didn't have a job. I was pretty young. I, they could have bought me one. They never did. I never got a job to buy one. So I just stopped buying DSs. And then before I knew it, there was like eight of them. So, yeah, yeah, I never bought them as they came out. I uh, I stopped after the, the SP, but the, I was happy with GBA games anyway. Uh, but then I went back when I was like older and had a job and like bought some DSs off Craigslist. Uh, yeah, I went back and played the games until the LNR buttons broke. I don't know what to say, Nintendo. Get your fucking handheld LNR shit. Back together. I'm not mashing those, I swear, but they break on every one I ever have. We will talk about breaking controllers very, very soon. That's coming up. But I was going to say, outside of the Switch, the GBA is by far my favorite handheld console of all time. It's one of my favorite consoles of all time. It's so amazing. It's like a handheld uh, Super Nintendo. Yeah, I love the GBA. And there's so many games. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, great Nintendo games, but like, just I think that's like the most third party games they've ever had. You know, like, there's just like an infinite library of gba games and yeah i oh, went yeah. crazy i got so many of those and then i got like my my cousin uh is half thai so he would go to thailand and come back with like you know modded cartridges that had like 20 games on them and shit for me yeah i played a ton of gba games that was that was a big part of my childhood i fucking love that thing uh, and i still i mean i've played that i've never really stopped playing the gba until today you know it's still the games are still fun but uh yeah like i said i only have like four or five games I can play now because uh, I have no, no LNRs. That fucking sucks, man. But it's still, it's cool that you still have the games. You could always get another one if you have a little money, which I know that's hard yeah. for all of us. But. I could get one, you know, if I wanted right now. I've seen them, like, come up on, like, the Facebook marketplace. So I fucking hate that thing. But I could probably afford one. But I just, I'm just too lazy. So I, I no, might do that sometime. It's cool. I get it, you know. I mean, everyone wants to switch right now. So just save up for that, I guess. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. But um, speaking of the Switch, let's get into a couple of the games I've been playing. This week, I bought a brand new game called Alwa's Awakening, which is a 2D Metroidvania that very much feels like a NES hidden gem. It, it feels the way the game is made, the music, it's not super advanced. Like you see these retro style games and you think to yourself, this game is really fun. It's really great. I love the music, but this game could never have actually been on a NES or a SNES. 
uh, Alwa's Awakening feels like it was made somewhere by like Sunsoft or something. It, it feels like it is a true retro game. And that means it's kind of primitive a little bit. It's a Metroidvania, like I said. So what you do is you go around looking for items that can open up the final dungeon. And these uh, items are found in several different layers of this huge map. Owl's Awakening is more of a puzzle-based and a puzzle and platforming-based game than an action game in that instead of fighting lots of enemies, you do fight enemies. It's more about figuring out how to get through challenging platforming levels or solving little puzzles. And you do that with this wand that can manifest a block, which allows you to get up higher, obviously. So far, I've also uh, been able to get the wand ability that allows you to conjure these bubbles you can jump on to go a little bit higher so it's it's kind of a game like that where it, it's not actiony it's more puzzly and you know that's one thing i've noticed very much so in these episodes is i buy a lot of fucking puzzle games i mean most platformers are puzzle games in a way i, I tend to buy those it's not on purpose i just i like retro style 2d platformers and metroidvanias and they tend to be very puzzle heavy so that's what it is. Anyway, it is $10. It just came out. It's made by a tiny, tiny little indie dev. They have this really cute little beginning screen where they talk about how they put two years of their life and their passion into the game. And they're so happy that you bought it. I just thought that was such a, a cute little touch. So if you want to give it a try, I know I'm I'm wandering about here. I'm a little drunk. Check out Alwa's Awakening. It's pretty good. Moving on. It'll do too. Now I talked about it'll do too last week. It is a link to the past type Zelda like game that has sort of like cell shaded wind waker graphics. And you have like these lots of little dungeons and things. You have this flying Fox that uh, goes around with you in these dungeons and over the overworld map. And it's God view, you know, to, like slanted, just like link to the past. And it's, it's not 2d it's 3d, but it's all like that 2d style of Zelda gameplay, which I really like. I'm not as big on 3d Zelda games. One thing I've noticed about it'll do two is the dungeons seem easier than it'll do one. It, mind you, it's been several years since I played that on my Wii U. It seems more like this game has been dumbed down a little for, for kids, which is just fine because it's it's still plenty fun to play. It's it's fun to explore. It's fun to get new abilities for your, uh, your main weapon, which is just a, a fucking stick. I just got a wand that'll shoot things. Honestly, kind of like Al was Awakening. <laughs> But um, that helps with solving puzzles. I guess I should talk about the puzzles. The puzzles in the game have to do with moving blocks to get around certain areas in a given like screen in a dungeon, right? And pressing buttons and getting to specific like doors that you can't get to and things of that nature. There are also uh, rooms where you have to kill all the enemies in the room to unlock the door and get to the next room. Or there'll be keys you have to find. Interestingly, in this game, you can find in hidden optional dungeons or caves lockpicks so you don't even have to get those keys which is cool i had my my niece play this game and she played it for quite a while today like three four hours and she really really enjoys it it's, it's a great fun little game the animation in it is great the graphics they're 3d and they're cell shaded so they have this kind of like hand drawn kind of aesthetic to them i love all the enemies all the enemies are either some kind of weird animal mashup or they're like a turnip like there'll be a whole bunch of turnip people that have like fencing swords or something 
<laughs> just like trying to fucking murder you. And then there'll be areas in the game where you'll like meet the bosses for certain dungeons who are just hanging out because they're not in the dungeon right now. And they're like, if you want to fight me, go to the dungeon. And there's just like this whole island of just weird, very funny at times creatures. And I guess I should mention too that uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, the goal of the game is you get marooned on this island with all these weird creatures and you have to find the eight pieces of a raft to get off of it. So there are eight dungeons. Um, anyway, I'm I'm rambling at this point. It kind of sounds like uh, uh, Zelda in like Spirited Away world, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. The art style is more like cartoon networky. It's not as painting like you know as Spirited Away, but the uh, the creatures are very Spirited Away. It's a really good game. It's still on sale, I think, for fifteen bucks. It's usually thirty. And when I'm buying you know digital games, I like to get them as cheap as fucking possible. So uh, check it out. It'll do too. It's a fun game. Now, the motherfucking messenger. I uh, continue to play this game. As I said last week, it's opened up into more of a Metroidvania. It starts out for the first couple hours as a very linear action platformer. I'm sure you've seen like the short videos I've, I've put up on uh, the at Leftendo Twitter of this cheetah. Yeah, I love those little clips. Uh, that game looks awesome, man. That's uh, definitely be one of my first purchases if I get a Switch. Yeah, yeah. I fucking recommend it to everyone if you like a 2D action platforming game and if you like Metroidvanias and if you just like ninjas and good music. I started the show with a clip of one of their songs. It, the music's fucking amazing. I, I just love the whole fucking game. But um, I, as I said last week, it's opened up into a Metroidvania and you've got new goals. And one of the goals is you have to find these like eight or nine notes to put into this magical music box to end the curse of the demon king continually returning to earth every like hundred years and i've got about five of those and yet using the hints that i bought from the, the shopkeeper because i can't figure out everything i've gotten to a point where i have discovered where the demon king himself is hanging out and even though i'm not done finding those notes i have to fight and defeat the demon king already which is kind of strange and um I'll tell you, it's it's not an easy battle. Even though I have to defeat him at this point in the game, at least according to everything I can figure out about it, I don't think it's the end of the game. I think it's another fake out. Like when they faked out that I had end, ended the game at the Tower of Time, because there's a part of the game in the story where you, they, they were going to say, well, we're going we're gonna to get a new messenger from the future. That's how it always works. It's like an endless time loop. And then it doesn't work out. The new messenger dies. And then, oh, you're going to have to be the messenger again. So I think that's what's happening. I don't know. But I'll keep you all informed about whether or not it is another fake out. Because that would be amazing. The the, uh, <laughs> the story of the messenger is interesting. At first, it's very, like, you know, plain. You don't know much and they don't seem to care. But it gets more and more complex the more you go on in the game. Anyway, I love the messenger. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, the messenger sounds fucking dope. I love uh, I love listening to the story unfold every every week that shit sounds crazy <laughs> yeah well i'm trying not to be too spoilery i'm i've let out like three or four big spoilers but there is so much to the game it really doesn't even fucking matter it's a great game last game i wanted to talk about briefly is the way remastered i got it last week i told you all to get it it's only three dollars in the shop right now and it will remain that until i think the uh, next three days anyway it is 
again, it's like an adventure platformer game, like flashback from the 1990s. It's kind of a throwback to that. And it has lots of great voice acting and interesting puzzles. I really like the story of the game, but I say interesting puzzles, but some of the puzzles have become kind of very like difficult to suss out what I'm supposed to do, which is unfortunate. And it makes me understand a little bit more why it didn't review super well on Steam when it first came out. But that was before they remastered it, added all that voice acting, added a whole bunch of new checkpoints. Because I feel like if there weren't as many checkpoints, points i was talking to chili gambino about this in the leftendo private chat if there wasn't a bunch of checkpoints in this game it would be unplayable because it's so difficult at times but with the uh crazy platforming Anyway, the puzzles have gotten a little bit difficult, so I have actually had to look up one specific puzzle I'm thinking about, but I feel like it's a game where if you can get into the kind of sci-fi, noir, kind of sad, sad sad-ass story about a guy who's trying to bring his wife back to life, then you'll, you'll be able to work through those kind of puzzles and kind of the issues with the platforming. It's a really beautiful game. It is amazing, like, music. I, I read that the music was made by a guy who had never made music music for any video game before it was his first project and if you listen to it you will find that it's it's fucking amazing so anyway there's a lot going for it for three dollars you should buy it it's a lot of fun for three bucks you can't pass that up no you cannot all that out of the way though now it's time for the joy con blues and then this week's reading series my joy cons are broken ah! well <laughs> Only kind of broken, right? So, like, what happened is Joy-Cons are known to have faults, and my left Joy-Con has begun to do this thing where both the up button and the the nub, when I push up, will sometimes just continue to go up when I go, let go, right? Ah, uh, yeah, classic. Nintendo yeah. has a lot of, even the Wii, the Wii modes would do that. Mm-hmm. I've tried um, uh, recalibrating it and it doesn't seem to affect it too much. Mind you, right now, it's not a big deal because it doesn't happen that often. Uh, it's only I'm only bringing it up now because yesterday I was playing Alwa's Awakening and there's a lot of parts in that game where you could just fall into like spikes or something. And uh, it just started doing it randomly and I died and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, it's so fucking annoying. Like, yeah. When uh, you have a really difficult level and you die every time because of that. I've been there. I think the N64 used to do that as well, I, so I know that pain well. Seems like a common theme, Nintendo. Get your shit together. Yeah, yeah, well, the Joy-Cons are pretty well designed. It's just there's certain flaws that are well known about them, and one of them is that I've used my Switch a lot, more than I've used any console in a long time. You know, like my Wii U, I used it for several months, and then I just stopped using it completely forever. I've used my Nintendo Switch constantly since I bought it. So, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Nintendo, but it's something I kind of expected to happen eventually, you know? Um, yeah, it's par for the course with most things, you know? yeah. You know, you only got like a good year, year and a half of something these days. <laughs> that's true, though. It's it's only, it's been a little bit less than a year since I bought a Nintendo Switch, so <laughs> that's unfortunate. Uh, these are known faults with the, the Joy-Cons. Regardless, the thing about the Joy-Cons is it's a design flaw in a way, but it's also a plus because I don't have to throw out the whole thing. I can simply buy new Joy-Cons, right? And I can just pop them in there and I'm done. The problem with that is the Joy-Cons are like 80 fucking dollars. <laughs> So it's like a third of the price of the console, basically. Yeah, basically. Let me announce right now, people, that I'm not going to be buying games for a little while. I'm going to be buying some fucking Joy-Cons. <laughs> the other Joy-Con, the uh, the right one, actually, and this is something I don't really think about because I've never had a game that needed it until I checked out Fortnite. The left Joy-Con, or the right Joy-Con, rather, the button 
on the stick, you know, the button. Yeah. It's never worked. <laughs> so like a manufacturing flaw. Now I didn't know that until much later because I never ever used it. And I basically have never used it since. The only game I have that could use it is Fortnite. That's hilarious. Good job, Nintendo. <laughs> it's fucking annoying. I mean, it would be less annoying if it weren't, uh, if it were cheaper. I mean, the thing is I will at least send in the right Joy-Con because that is a, a manufacturing flaw and it's yeah. still under warranty. So theoretically I should be able to get a new one for free. Who knows? Yeah, well, sometimes I've, companies have, have have surprisingly lenient uh, warranties for shit like that because it's like not much of a cost for them. I think my like Xbox controller got like replaced after I think like full year or something. You know, my first Xbox controller. So yeah, I don't know. You might you might get it back. So I, I hope so. But outside of like extreme sales, I'm not going to be buying any games for a little while because I'm going to have to hopefully have enough money to pony up to buy a new set of those, which is fine. I have many games I need to finish. So whatever. Yeah, it uh, seems like the messenger just keeps going forever. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a long game. I mean, I'm not good at video games. That's one thing I should um, point out right away. Right. <laughs> I have like 40 hours, 45 hours into Hollow Knight. And the game is can be beaten in 30, right? So <laughs> partly these are long games. Partly I'm not good at them. But um, I have plenty of stuff to play is the point. Um, <laughs> anyway, we should get on to our reading series. Would you like to read this or shall I? Um, yeah, I can uh, take a crack at it if you want. Um, okay, so the case against Elon Musk will chill innovation uh, in Wired by Zachary Carabell. Um, so in... Typical God King fashion, uh, Elon Musk has long established himself as both a visionary CEO and a lightning rod for attention, good and bad. The bad uh, reared its head dramatically this week <laughs> as the Securities and Exchange Commission charged Musk with securities fraud for misleading investors with August tweets about taking Tesla private, <laughs> um, selling it to those Saudi princes as he's been so eager to do. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> Uh, evil commission wants to bar Musk from serving as CEO of a public company, which would mean removing him as the head of Tesla and potentially imperil his leadership of SpaceX and other ventures if they too go public. Oh no! God forbid uh, Elon Musk uh, is no longer the contractor for NASA because of budget cuts. Uh, maybe we'd have to actually fund them again. Amazing idea. Never going to happen. <laughs> Not an idea that Zachary Carabell would agree with because he goes on to say, that would cause immense harm. Not because Musk's companies are systemically viable or irreplaceable, but because the American economy needs more people like Musk if it is to survive and thrive. As we know, the thriving American economy, as I'm sure 42% of your nation can attest to, needs more Elon Musk's, and then we might be thriving a little more. Yeah, because uh, what what exactly is he doing that uh, we need so much? We'll get back to that later. <laughs> yeah, well, so he, go, he, he gives a concession here. You know, he says Musk certainly crossed a legal line, but barring him would be the market equivalent of executing someone for petty theft, you know, maybe like in Saudi Arabia where he's trying to sell his company. And the damage will extend well beyond Musk himself. To recap quickly, on August 7th, Musk sent a tweet, quote, I'm considering taking Tesla private at $420, end quote. In subsequent tweets, he elaborated on what a deal would mean for current shareholders and how the transaction might proceed. The only problem, and it is a big one, was that no funding had been secured. Although Musk's claimed that he had explicit conversations with potential investors, including Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund, a little more than two weeks later, Musk said he would not move ahead with taking Tesla private. According to the SEC, the tweets were misleading and fraudulent. 
Musk had not secured funding and had not detailed conversations about pricing, and hence had tweeted false information that led to gyrations in stock price and harmed investors, those poor, poor investors. On its face, it would seem a black and white case, which may be why it took the SEC only a little more than a month to file charges. Yet Musk has been saying questionable and outrageous things for years, so that makes it all okay, clearly. He can say whatever he wants because he's been doing it for so long. Absolutely. He is a god king among men. Well, I mean, that's Trump's strategy, so, you know, fair, fair. It works. Uh, It works for some people, you know, can't uh, fault Musk for trying. But uh, anyone who invests in his companies surely must recognize that Musk zooms from heady and inspiring to bizarre and potentially unhinged, just like a good uh, innovator. You know, he's Tesla of our time. He is John Galt. <laughs> you know, any investor must just, you know, if you're going to invest in Tesla, you just got to know that Musk might be heady and inspiring one day, but bizarre and unhinged the next. Um, and that to take any one thing he says as gospel is almost always a mistake. Come on, guys, like give him a break here. So <laughs> he's just trying to you know tank his fucking public share so he can buy it himself uh he he clearly is a mad genius but uh you know so don't take all you know everything he says at face value necessarily (laughs) even even explicit tweets about uh the financial status of his company in may for instance musk tweeted that he had started a new york to washington dc hyperloop and that he hopes to begin one early next year between los angeles and san francisco that tweet was misleading and largely false Yes, Musk did win approval to conduct a small test in D.C. and had a few conversations with regulators in California, but to characterize those as done deals and work underway is more than a stretch. That Hyperloop thing is fucking bullshit. The whole thing is... Hyperloop being a scam itself, uh, this guy's case is that he's committed fraud twice now, so it's okay. It breaks the laws of physics, but he said, you know, fraud's okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, the... Hyperloop, which is literally just like, yeah, a physics-breaking rich people subway, which itself is clearly a scam meant for his The Boring Company, is itself fraudulent. But yeah, he's tweeted about a fraudulent statement about that too, so don't don't worry about this other fraudulent statement. Musk has a long legacy of inflated statements verging on untruths. Untruths, wow, what a word. In 2009, he assured Tesla investors that the company was about to begin receiving funds from the Department of Energy loan program before the company had been granted a loan. He's routinely guaranteed profitability and production numbers at Tesla that have been so off the mark that they could only represent aspirations rather than real projections. And while SpaceX has achieved more in terms of functional rockets and payloads than most thought possible, his promise of a first payload to Mars in 2022 is deeply detached from the company's progress. I promise to explode a rocket on Mars by 2022. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's unfounded, so... Give him a break, man. But uh, yet each of Musk's companies, including SolarCity, which is now part of Tesla, has achieved more than most ever do. That's a weird statement. Uh, (laughs) Because these achieved more than most companies that fail, may I remind you, off of government subsidies and like leasing, you know, government built plants for a dollar a year. You know, it's, it's more than most. So, you know, whatever. We need him. He's vital for the economy. All emerald miners are vital for the economy, sir. You know, just uh, you too. If you simply had some apartheid emeralds, you too could be an eccentric billionaire. But that's your fault for not having any. So don't take it out on Musk. Agreed. (laughs) Tesla has shown that you can build a car company from scratch. Yeah, from scratch. uh, With its own battery technology and its own distribution. Wow. Largely subsidized by the government, but wired clearly doesn't care about that aspect of it. SpaceX has demonstrated the feasibility of private space companies. Oh, my God. 
this article really pains me. <laughs> Next <laughs> part's the best part. <laughs> and the boring company could upend and improve city-to-city -city transport in a country that missed the high-speed train revolution. No, oh. it could not. No, it could not. <laughs> it is physically impossible. It is bullshit. So, so not only is Elon Musk not going to tunnel between New York and Los Angeles, <laughs> the only reason America missed the high-speed train revolution is because of the automobile companies of which he is maybe has some uh, conflict of interest in. No, no. See, you're just some kind of commie. See, he's he's the king of the mole man. He's going to build these massive underground <laughs> railways that will, you know, revolutionize transport. It's, it's Didn't awesome. the first 15 minutes of The Incredibles 2 cover this? We don't need any, you know, greedy mole men tunneling between cities. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can't end well. Anyway, Musk's strengths and weaknesses are of a piece. He <laughs> He dreams what many consider impossible and has been able to muster people and money to make some of those dreams real. He believes that he sees what others do not. I'm sure he does believe that. And that too many lack the will and the vision to make quantum leaps. <laughs> Maybe because quantum leaps are currently impossible, much like the Hyperloop. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just imagining Scott Bakula. We gotta stop Elon Musk. One more leap. <laughs> The line between visionary and madman is sometimes fuzzy. Yet, however, one wishes that Musk were a bit more normal. He simply is not. <laughs> Investing in him, therefore, should always be seen as high risk. Maybe why he's the most shorted stock. With the potential for high reward and the potential for total failure. Which is what? exactly what the American economy needs. is yeah. a completely unstable crackpot controlling billions of dollars of uh, subsidized government money for what could be vital public utilities like renewable energy, you know, transportation and the like, but uh, rather is, of course, this wonderful man's vision uh, and soul god king decision. Yeah, but uh, what successes has he had? He hasn't had fucking shit. He's successfully scammed all of us into believing he's a success. If you don't call that success, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that is the American dream. <laughs> That is how America was founded, sir. I, uh... <laughs> Pretty much. Founded on the, on the, the backs of slaves, these uh, aristocratic fuckwads. Like, <laughs> we are a success. <laughs> we hold it self-evident that all men should be, you know, equal in the eyes of whatever. Uh, however your constitution goes there. It's bullshit. Uh, Don't worry about it. It's all fucking, it's a fucking champ. <laughs> self-evident, except for this, you know, like, fifth of our population that uh, we're just going to forget about. Yep. Anyway, you know, Musk also benefited from a similar uh, segregated society that actually lasted much more into recent history, but uh, forgetting about that, um, moving along. The problem, of course, is that Tesla is a public company with responsibilities to investors. I like how it says public company because, you know, I've literally seen mega chuds on Twitter say this, that publicly traded companies are socialist, presumably because the word public is in there. Um, yeah. and the way they frame it is, you know, it sounds like in Canada, we would call that a crown corporation, which is, you know, like just a nationalized corporation. Ain't no but, such thing here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, of course, uh, the problem is that Tesla is a public company with responsibilities to its investors, uh, which could be you and subject to a slew of regulations governing what executives can say and to whom Musk's absurd utterances as the CEO or chair of a private company wouldn't carry the same legal risks. On the letter of the law, the SEC complaint is hard to refute. 
but not everything should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what Wired thinks about the mass incarceration of America, if they're so willing to uh, say, hey, SEC, maybe give these rich people a break. Maybe they should give quite a lot of people a break then. Who will fight our fires? <laughs> if not for these private fire departments that are popping up all over California for some reason as it keeps continually burning under the changing climate. Yes, and populated by prisoners who work for $1 a day. Perfect. Uh, but you should commend those young, brave men. You know, they, brave. Deserve, they deserve a liberal shout out, at least, if not anything else. Courage. <laughs> Courageous. You know, we should also thank the uh, California judiciary system for volunteering its labor force. I mean, capitalism has always been built on one form of slavery or another. But moving on. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, so hard not to get back to slavery when you're talking about capitalism. Or Elon Musk, for that matter. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, so Wired thinks not everything should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Indeed, the SEC appears to have been willing to settle the complaint with a fine and an agreement by Musk to step down as chair for two years. He refused. And in response, the commission threw the proverbial block at him. For perspective, consider that the SEC didn't seek to remove the heads of any of the banks that failed during the financial crisis until long after their companies had ceased to exist. That is actually a good point, but that means that we should also punish Musk like we did not punish those bankers. Yeah. Thanks, um, Obama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a stretch to assert that investors in Tesla are unaware of Musk's makeup or that anyone who took a gamble on Tesla's stratospheric valuation and historically volatile shares would take Musk's tweet as fact. To the contrary, investors in Musk's companies have learned to discount much of what he says in interviews and tweets, precisely because so little of what he says has a one-to-one -one connection with fact and reality. Sounds like a guy you can trust with this vision of American capitalism. He's a true visionary, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically saying this man is mentally ill, but we need to trust him because he controls a huge corporation. He's rich. He may be like fucking unhinged and delusional, but hey, he's got a lot of money. You should listen, give him a break, you know, listen to what he's got to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> to take his August tweets about Tesla as fraud, therefore, is to detach them from a long legacy of Musk's public speech that bends the truth and sometimes goes well beyond it. So to take his current tweets about fraud is to detach them from a long history of fraud, which would be unfair, of course. <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous these people are fucking insane i'm sorry <laughs> I, this is amazing like how far gone this is some mental gymnastics man to like so much want to kiss musk's feet that like you're willing to like i don't even know what this is man this article is is insane it's giving me a headache i gotta take another drink <laughs> anyway it is not necessary to change the rules to be selective about how rigorously to enforce them. Substantial fines are sometimes a cop-out, but in many instances, they are precisely what's warranted. You know, yeah, like 40 million bucks out of this billionaire's pocket. It's really gonna be a big slap to his face. Penalize Musk, for sure, but not to the point where those rare birds like him <laughs> have no place in public companies. Regularly, <laughs> we wouldn't want deranged people like Musk and, you know, I think implied here Trump from the way they're talking about Musk to not be able to control massive sections of surplus wealth in the economy. That would be absurd and socialist and dangerous. Regulations already are pushing some companies to stay private, which may be good for them, but doesn't help create robust and dynamic markets. Or enhance transparency for investors. Damn, man, like this 
all these government regulations, you know, Wired really hit the nail on the head here. These government regulations are keeping all these companies out of the market, these billionaires being uh, priced out here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Justice is supposed to be blind, but it is not supposed to be indifferent. What? 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 I thought it was supposed to be objective, but... Anyway, the not SEC, in America. <laughs> I guess you, you just open about that part now. That's taken for granted. The SEC might succeed in removing Musk, but that doesn't mean that it should. And while Musk might be served by yoga breaths before he tweets, attempting to tame his wild creative energy may not only be futile, but wrong. We need our crazy dreamers, and we need some rules. Finding the balance between them is never easy but it is vital. So in the end, we have no conclusion here at Wired. Musk is crazy and just deserves our respect for the sake that he's rich. Uh, but we, need, we, we, we may need some rules here and there. They'll give you that, you know, not to say the SEC is totally out of line here. We do mm -hmm. need rules and, and some regulation maybe, but, uh, you know, not enough that we would tame the creative energy of, of a Musk, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I uh, thank you for reading that nauseating article, Cheetah. You did a great service to all of us and the glorious revolution. Painful. <laughs> the C-Lab salutes you, sir. But the reason I wanted to read this article this week is what has Elon Musk ever done that was successful and changed the world in any kind of meaningful way? I mean, he, he became a, a billionaire because he was one of the co-founders of paypal a technology if i recall correctly he had nothing to do with actually developing he simply invested in and a mind you a technology that's kind of uh redundant why do we need a third party to uh <laughs> facilitate transactions on the internet when we could simply use a fucking card well if you didn't have a third party who would take you know you know two percent of every transaction or whatever yeah exactly <laughs> so he, he would be there to to take that that little cut if there wasn't a third party exactly i mean he, they sold paypal to ebay for billions of dollars and that made him a billionaire he was already very wealthy from his family's emerald mines you know where they uh, exploited black labor in south africa to enrich themselves he left you know just took a few emeralds with with him in his pocket and and he left and and he made himself from scratch over here in america Def yeah. definitely you know clean slate definitely had no no help came here on his own man mm -hmm. i mean he's just like a boring nerd with a billion with billions of dollars who's like i'm going to be a I'm going to make a space company that explodes rockets continuously for NASA using subsidies from the government. That's some pretty nice hair plugs, though. So, I mean, you know what? That is the one innovation I actually wanted to bring up. His hair job is very, very good. I don't know if he helped innovate, yes. you know, that, <laughs> but uh, maybe he should work for Rogaine or something. But um, I'm serious, though. Like, he has never done anything, it has had any substantive value. Ever, you know, I mean, the best you could say is, well, he has a company that makes electric cars. They're shitty electric cars. They're extremely expensive. Only the bourgeoisie can afford them. Yeah, um, since he started, he's been talking about this fabled, you know, like affordable thirty thousand dollar, you know, mass produced electric car. But it doesn't seem like he's ever made any serious attempt at that in all these years. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I would rather buy a Ford or something. It's less likely to fall apart. Yeah, probably. Or catch on fire. <laughs> One impressive thing he has managed to do is swindle the government. You know, fuck Elon Musk, but also fuck the American government. So, you know, it, it's a catch-22 there. It's like, do you, do you want to support swindling the government or do you want to mm -hmm. diss Elon Musk, you know? Well, I mean, in the sense that I wish the American government, if we're going to have nation states, I wish the American government would actually use their ability to print money to actually uh, help the people that live in our country. In that sense, Elon Musk is not helping that situation at all. Can, but, can I bring uh, a couple numbers for how much he benefits from government welfare? Most please. Extent, which is not even totally known. For example, New York State is building a $750 million solar panel factory in Buffalo on behalf of Solar City, And the company is going to lease the plant for a dollar a year and will not pay property taxes for a decade which would total to an estimated $260 million. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I don't know how he convinced New York State to go along with that, but that's like what he's been doing in, you know, California and trying to do in like, you know, Europe or like in Norway and stuff. Yeah, he, he manages to somehow get a federal government grant or tax credit to cover 30% of all solar city installations. You know, that would be great if the government was providing that money to like, you know, maybe make like some sort of public cheap or free energy grid uh microgrids around the country if that if that's what all that grant money was going to yeah. but no it's going to make elon musk and his asshole friends rich and you know profit off of the climate disasters that are upcoming and currently going on yeah that's been a theme lately on Tendo. all these fucking climate profiteers like no one's going to be able to afford these fucking things no local community is buying these solar city installations, you know, <laughs> it's not like uh, little towns are able to afford these. It's only for big, rich companies and those mm -hmm. assholes that benefit from this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in terms of like SpaceX, I think the only thing that keeps him going with that besides the notoriety it gives him is the if he's smart enough to realize this, the fact that climate change is going to destroy the planet and he needs to get off the fucking earth. <laughs> yeah, that or he knows we're pulling out the guillotine soon. That's possible. Get off earth, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he's just like every other billionaire. He's got billions of dollars through some kind of fraudulent nonsense like PayPal. They all do that. It's all luck based. And then after that, he continues to make money through government subsidies using his brand, his personal brand. I'm Elon Musk. I'm a technological wizard. wizard, 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 wizard. Give me lots of money. I will build a factory in your hometown where I won't pay any taxes and I will pollute the air all around you. It's going to be great. It is weird that, you know, he's he's sort of been like doing this weird tank of his image and that part of it may be this like, you know, drug fueled weird phase he's going through right now. But one theory, I can't remember where I heard it from, but some podcast, the, they were talking about how because he wants to take it private for some, he would benefit in some way by tanking or at least destabilizing his shares in Tesla and shit. So I don't know. It seems, I don't know how cynical to take his recent madness, if you will. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just perpetuating the notion that Elon Musk is smart enough to think like strategically like that. But actually, I really don't think he's that smart. I think he was a rich person who invested in a company at the right time that made him a billionaire. And now he's just going on wild, crazy fun times, you know, like I'm going to make rockets. I'm going to make electric cars. I'm a visionary. Ooh. 
Well, I mean, you know, even Bezos can't imagine anything else to do with his obscene King Tut uh, wealth, but liquidate a billion dollars of Amazon stock a year to put into Blue Origin and explode some rockets. Maybe Elon Musk and Bezos' greatest contribution to the planet is filling the uh, low Earth atmosphere with space junk and debris so that uh, Trump can never get his Space Force, like, you know, kinetic energy satellites up in orbit because they'll continuously get shredded by space dust because bezos and musk will already have polluted our entire <laughs> our entire fucking atmosphere my god they're communist heroes <laughs> they're, they're they're leaders of the revolution truly yeah actually though i think bezos is infinitely smarter than elon musk bezos is like a fucking psychopathic reptile yeah he's like a one of those psycho smart nerds who's getting revenge on everybody musk is just kind of one of those lucky nerds who just kind of knew a little bit that computers are going to be a, a big thing so he mm -hmm. and he was born rich most billionaires are born rich and they just become richer yeah anyway i think that's about it for that if you're good are you good i'm good yeah the you know fuck elon musk you can talk forever about how much of a piece of shit he is, but uh, I think everybody everybody about gets it at this point. A piece of shit who has never accomplished anything of any value. Exactly. Well, we'll be right back after this. Before Nintendo came out with Super Metroid, we wanted to make sure it was the most intense Metroid battle ever. So we thought we'd see how Killer here would fare against it. Ready, boy? That's 24 megs worth of weapons, worlds, and weirdos old Killer's up against. Nintendo's biggest game ever. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Well, let's see how he did. Ship it. Super Metroid, only on the Super NES. Well, Sea Monkeys, that's the show. I'd like to thank my many subscribers to the audio podcast and my many, many subscribers to the YouTube channel. If you're new to Leftendo and would like to subscribe, just search Leftendo and Apple Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a review, but be gentle or else loop me up first. A subscription link and a link to the YouTube channel will be in the description. And actually, between you and me, I'm thinking about doing a contest for reviews soon. We'll see. Anyway, before we go, where can we find you, Cheetah Squad? You can find me on the bird site at at Muffucking Cheetah, M-U-H-F-U-C-K-I-N Cheetah, but there's no H on the end because that was too many characters. Mm -hmm. And similarly on Facebook, except there is an H on the end, but no C in the fuck because Facebook doesn't let you swear in your oh. name. I don't have a computer, so there's no no original content at the moment, but there was for a time. This is the gaming podcast of the proletariat. Solidarity, my friend. I didn't have a computer for fucking years. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, about a year now. Yeah, it's, it's it's you know whatever. I got my phone. That's mm -hmm. all I got. <laughs> I'm recording this on a computer that was given to my brother that I bought for my brother for twenty dollars. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. whatever. Yeah, that's um, a true proletarian fashion, solidarity, comrade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I will leave links to your uh your site's in the description for this episode. And uh, you can find me at Anarcho Murphy and the show at Leftendo, where you can get updates on games I'm currently playing, including screenshots and short videos, plus my own beautiful brand of cynical communalist humor. Anyway, Sea Monkeys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming on, Cheetah Squad. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Waluigi forever! Waluigi forever. Fuck yeah. Adios. Peace.